Did you know 20 weeks and above is considered stillbirth, a fetal stillbirth? Yeah. And then, yeah, I was just looking that up oh, too, like before, but I can't see, this is the thing too. Like if I had a 19, if, if my pregnancy was 19 weeks along and I, and someone said that I had a miscarriage, yeah, it almost doesn't seem like, like, I don't know. Part of me is like, that's not a miscarriage. Like that, that baby's pretty you know, like you're halfway through your pregnancy. But then at the same time, it's like, whatever it's labeled, it's still a loss. And people may grieve differently. Um, like somebody, uh, I guess this is something that I learned from just talking to so many different women is that like, just because I was further along in my gestational period, doesn't mean that I grieve deeper than you did. So you kept a journal then during this time? Yeah. Um, was it specifically to document everything or was it just something that you had already been doing? No, it was specific because I didn't... Yeah, I, well, I did keep a journal in all of my pregnancies, um, except for I didn't do it with Hayes, poor baby. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> he's the sick. That happens. Yeah, yeah. So with, but with all the other ones, um, I usually started like sometime into my first trimester. Um, and I would do like every couple weeks, I would, write down like um I don't know like a page of any of my symptoms like interesting things that I had been feeling um any appointments that I had been to people I had told like anything about my pregnancy that I wanted to remember and then yeah I really liked that I I'm glad that I did it because then I could look back on my like I I ended up comparing all my pregnancies um and seeing like what the similarities were and what the differences were and you know if I could tell that I was having a boy or girl and um yeah so it's it's cool like some of them I would go like three or four weeks before I would you know write again but um I tried to do it every every two weeks once um I had Taya I decided that I needed to um, let some of my feelings out on paper. And so I didn't do, it wasn't like I did it every day or anything, but just when I was feeling like I needed to, mm-hmm. you know, to record my feelings. And it, it's so healing. Like I really recommend that anybody that's going through any type of loss um, and they're grieving to journal about it because you can well for me like one of the big things was that I kept feeling like um well what if I forget her and this time and um like that's all I have of her are these these memories and uh I wanted to really really be able to document that and keep those feelings 
fresh in my mind always. So, um, so yeah, that's what I did. So I, I did look over some of the stuff and I was like, oh, maybe I should share this. But honestly, then I just, they're, they're so incredibly raw and deep that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have to, you know, it's, I think just sharing what you did um, to help you through that process, you know, going into someone's diary is super personal. And I mean, you're already bearing your soul essentially by sharing this story. So I would never ask you to like read your diary unless you felt like super um, inspired to share something, but otherwise it's okay that you keep that to yourself. Yeah. And I mean, like, just even just like, I took five minutes to just kind of like skim through some of the stuff. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I didn't remember that. So I might just bring, bring some things up. Yeah, this might sound like an insensitive question. But it's something that just crossed my mind. um, When I was thinking about what to talk about in part two. Um, What did you do with all of like the clothes and things that you had? thought specifically for Taya well so I remember um I didn't get a ton of stuff um because well one of the reasons why I didn't get a lot of things was because um even though I was so so excited to shop for a girl um so I did have like a little collection of of clothing for sure but I obviously I didn't get a shower because it was my second baby and I they were quite close together um but when I had gone in for my ultrasound with her they were like well this baby's not really showing us but I think like the tech said I think it's a girl I think it's pretty safe to say it's a girl but you know I'm not really sure so um because of that I and because I was so excited to have a girl I didn't want to like set myself up to be disappointed if it ended up being a boy. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get too, too many things, but the things that I did get um, that I obviously was disappointed that I didn't get to, you know, to keep, to put on her or anything. Um, I said, you know what? Well, maybe one day we'll have a, another girl. She'll have a sister and I'm sure that she wouldn't mind sharing her things with her sister and yeah and then of course yeah so then you know my rainbow baby uh was Everly is Everly and um so I had I had those things and I was so happy to be able to give those things to her and so now I have those things tucked away and I will probably just keep them forever what else did you keep like, well, do, I, do you have a memory box for her? Yeah, I have a memory box. So anything, um, I can't even really think what's in there right now too much. But like definitely the the like pamphlet and things that the, I got sent home from the hospital with. Um, just like the, like the little book about grieving and stuff like that. But um, I also had um, Graham's aunt knows someone who does drawings of I guess she's an artist and um, Graham's aunt actually 
also lost a baby and this lady drew her a picture just like a penciled picture um of of her baby that she keeps and so she had her do one for me as well um she gave her a picture of Taya and um this lady drew it and she, I mean she's incredible Wow. Incredible. Like it looks so, so realistic and like just exactly as um, the photo was. So I have that in there and um, I can't remember what else, but yeah, definitely have a memory box and I go through that like, you know, whenever I need to, but usually, usually that's around um, obviously like, like that first
feel like she's a part of them. And mm-hmm. um, I think, I think that it's, I don't know. I think that's a good life lesson for them to have as yeah. well, you know? Um, but yeah, so the way Absolutely. that I got into um, that tradition was that actually a bereavement group that I went to, I can't remember who told me about this bereavement group, but usually like whoever's your care provider is going to set you up with the tools to be able to grieve in a healthy way. And one of those tools is usually joining some kind of a group. I did end up going out, I think two, maybe three times to see this group of girls and we met at um, Williams Cafe and just all shared our stories and talked about our babies and stuff. And uh, one of the, the girls, the girl that actually ran the group, she um, said that that was one of the things that they did every year was they had a cake with candles and celebrated by singing happy birthday to her son who had passed away. Um, and she said that that way they're able to actually celebrate and feel joyful about about him instead of it always being a sad thing and I loved that loved that mm-hmm. idea and so it might not be for everyone like everybody like again everybody's going to some people might think that that's you know not for them for whatever reason it doesn't feel right but for me it felt right and I love I love it every year and I just feel like I don't know. It just fits for me because I, I feel very strongly that I want to think of her in a positive way and as a blessing. I love hearing you say those things and trying to make her death, you know, a, a, not positive, but like yeah, staying positive throughout it. And I feel like that probably helped you find peace after such tragedy yeah what were those days like after the funeral because I feel like they probably were a bit of a blur but I mean you still had Levi you know were you able to like be alone and grieve or did you kind of just go back into your role as like mom and day-to-day after the funeral you know what? I don't have a I don't have a very strong memory of this time. We ended up moving to his uh, his my husband's parents' house, um, and he had gotten a job in Timmins, and so he, he left in June, and he spent the summer in Timmins working while we were looking for a house, and so for for those three months I was like living um, at his parents, just me and Levi and his parents. And so it was not like the ideal, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say that that was my like ideal place to grieve. Um, My in-laws were wonderful. I'm sure that like my mother-in-law would have um, 
taken Levi sometimes and I probably had some time to myself. Um, I definitely did. I remember that I did. Um, but I had to, I also felt like I couldn't just fall apart in front of them, right. you know, like I had to be strong and I had to put on a brave face and, um, try to be positive. And I remember that being hard. And I remember just feeling like, I just want to, I just want to be able to stay in bed some days, you know? Yeah. I just want to be able to stay in my PJs, stay in bed and cry. Remember feeling um, like so much was happening at the same time too, right? Like, like I just had this baby and who was stillborn and then Graham got a job right away and then we moved, but we all not, yeah. not only did we move once, we moved twice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so just the combination of all these things in a short amount of time was so overwhelming. And um, I remember, I can't remember who it was, but I remember someone said to me on like one of my hard days, they said, you know, people say that the three hardest things in life, I forget what they are, definitely losing a loved one, like death, mm -hmm. moving, oh, and starting a new job. <laughs> <laughs> These are like, you literally, we're going through all three. <laughs> right. And so I, those probably aren't the three hardest things in life, but maybe in our society, I don't know. Um, but they definitely are tough things that very stressful oh, yeah. things that we go through. Um, and, and I was going through all three of them in this very, like just in a few months and um, yeah, it was, it was tough, but I really feel like um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of support. I wanted to just ask you what it was like when Jesse was born a month later. Um, I really feel like I was very, very fortunate to not feel um, like Jesse's birth took away at all from, from Taya's birth. And I didn't compare the two of them. Um, and also like, our other nephew, Connor, was born shortly yeah. after Jesse as well. And so we were all pregnant at the same time. I was just a little further along than you guys were, but not by by much. Um, and I mean, even, yeah, like, even now, I don't, I don't ever look at them or think of them and, and feel like, oh, well, this is what Taya would be doing now. Like Taya would, you know, when, when I see yeah. things like any milestones that Jesse or Connor go through, I'm not like, oh, you know, Taya could have been doing that right now or Taya could be getting baptized. Like, um, I don't do that. And that is, that is, I just feel very fortunate that that hasn't been something that I've had to struggle with because I know, and I was very worried 
that that's what was going to happen. But it just those feelings never have come to me. And, and I really count that as, as a blessing, because there's, there's definitely a lot of women that, I mean, most women, when they have a loss, there's someone in their circle that's having a baby around the same time as them, you know? Um, Yeah. And, and it doesn't even have to be someone in your circle. It could be someone on Facebook that you haven't talked to in 10 years, but you see that they have a baby announcement and that takes your world down, you know, like your world will come crashing down. Um, Thankfully never had that happen with Jesse and Connor aside from the time that like the day that you had Jesse. Um, mm-hmm. And that was um, like I had, I had had a conversation with, or my mom called me that day and said, did you hear the news? And I, I had heard the news, but suddenly here, my mom was on the phone with me and I was still, you know, very, very in the raw, you know, primal stages of grief. And I just totally fell apart and sobbed. And I just said, it's so hard, mom. This is so hard. Why does it hurt this much? And she started sobbing and she's like, I don't know, honey. And, but she said, you know what, all we can do in these moments where we have no, nothing makes sense is to trust in the Lord. Do you think that because of your faith and like your religious beliefs that it made grieving and Taya's passing, like the burden of that lifted a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so for me, the, the biggest things that help um, support me through my grieving process have been my faith, 100%. That has been so, so helpful. Um, my idea of what is to come after this life and that there is life after death in my belief, you know, and that I'm going to see her again, that I will have, I truly believe that I will have the opportunity to raise her and that, you know, I haven't missed out because I still have, you know, I still will have that opportunity with her. I just have to wait. It's not in this life. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it will be like, but it's, it's still an opportunity that I'm going to I'm going to have with her. So um, it's just like we're separated for a little while, you know? So that has been a huge um, idea um, or huge belief that has carried me through. Um, And also I have a very strong circle of women that are my support system. Um, you obviously being one of them. Uh, my mom, 
I have my sister Jody, my sister Becky, and my sister-in-law Jen. And, you know, all of you are so strong and smart and um, faithful, and you've all been through your own fair share of grief too, right? So I just feel like, you know, and, and it's so wonderful to have all of you, each of you are so individual and there's days where, you know, no matter what pops up, I feel like, oh, you know, I can go to Jody with that or, oh, I can go to Joelle (laughs) with this, you know, today or whatever, like any need that I have that comes up, any feeling that I need to get out or day that I need to vent about something or whatever, I, I have someone in my corner that I can go to. Um, I think that, um, and you've definitely been an advocate uh, about this as well, but just that everybody should have someone that they can talk to that's not in your circle, like a professional, yeah. you know, like an actual professional yeah. <laughs> counselor, therapist, whatever you want to call it. Um, that I think that's really important too. And that's not something that I ever did really. I never reached out to anybody, a professional to help me with my grief. Um, and so in hindsight, I'm, I might've done that. That might've helped me with um, processing some feelings. I definitely feel like there's still some, like, There's a huge stigma around getting professional help from a therapist still. Um, And it's so strange to me because it's like literally proven to work, you know, getting things off your chest and having someone who isn't involved and has no context really and like no preconceived notions. It's yeah. I I just know that for me, it's been a huge help. Yes. And I mean, honestly, I just recently started talking to someone I've told you that. Um, Mm -hmm. And not about Taya specifically, just about life, you know. Um, Yeah. Tell us more. (laughs) Tell us in detail. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The hardships of motherhood. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But. But yeah, I think that that would have that would have definitely helped me even more. But honestly, I feel like I had I had so much love and support in my corner through that, I don't know, like preliminary grieving process. I actually I'm looking through here. I did um so this part I pregnancy number five I write here it was June 29th 2013 and I was 17.5 weeks pregnant with Everly and so and I say and and this isn't like deep or anything so I don't mind telling you this but um and you don't have to use it if you don't want to 
but it says, I finally feel ready to remark on this pregnancy. After losing Taya and having two miscarriages, I have had trouble being confident this time around. The first trimester was so underlined hard, emotionally, mentally, always thinking I would miscarry again. And then when I didn't, being in awe. I didn't start telling my family until my second trimester. Uh, and like, I remember that I didn't tell any of you guys. Like, wow. I didn't even tell Jody, which yeah. is weird for me. <laughs> um, and, and any of you, like, usually, like, since then, we've always like messaged like each other right away. With, yeah, like yeah. we always get these pictures of the stick, right? Like uh, I have to show you something. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like the positive pregnancy the test pregnancy. and it's like just oh, even just yeah. like the tiniest, faintest little line, but we still send it to each yeah. other, you know? Like, is this positive? Yeah. <laughs> like, remember that one time? Like, oh my gosh. With What's me this? or with Jody? Yeah. I think that must have been when, like, I was pregnant with Everly, and you were pregnant. And totally oh, yeah. Time. But I was oh, six months goodness. ahead of you guys. Yeah. And, and yeah. Wait, you mean you mean two years? <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six months and two years. Um. But yeah, I remember. I remember being in a Michael's store, and like, I don't know if it were you, it was you or Jody, but somebody like we were all, you know, messaging each other with this picture and being like, "Is it? Is it positive?" And then it was probably you, and you're like, "Is it positive?" And we're like, "If there is a line there, I don't care how faint it yeah. is, it's positive." <laughs> when you had your two miscarriages after Taya. Did you sort of feel mm -hmm. numb to that experience because of what you had gone through with the stillbirth? Like, were they less? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because, and, and that's maybe why when I had that first mi miscarriage, I wasn't so devastated because, and it was more of an interesting experience to me than a devastating experience because of, um, because of what I had just been through. I don't know though, because you think that I would have been, I was so baby crazy. I was just, you know, and I was really sad that I didn't have like, now I was like another th three months behind right. where I wanted to be. So you were, so now I was, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like, it took me, it was six months before I got pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And then now I was nine months since I had had Taya. And so I was just like, every day I was just like, oh, now I'm, now I'm set back like even more, even more. Right. Which really made me crazy. And you know, it's so weird to me too, that um, it's not weird to me anymore. It was weird to me when I heard about women who went through miscarriages or whatever, like babies, losing babies. And then they didn't want to get pregnant again right away. Mm -hmm. That was such a bizarre idea to me because for me, I was just like, I, all I want to do is just get pregnant again. Like that was where I found my comfort somehow. Um, after my last miscarriage, even though I was only six weeks along, I was shattered by that point 
So I just imagine, I feel like that was the hardest, like that's really when my grief was at an all time high because now I had lost all hope as well. Like even after I had Taya, I was, I was like, um, you know, we talked about this already, but baby crazy, like super, super baby crazy. Give me a baby. I need a baby. My arms were feeling just ridiculously empty and aching with the emptiness. Um, but I had so much hope still because I had had two perfectly normal, healthy pregnancies up until, you know, um, she, she was born, but that was like a total freak accident that it, that her cord had a knot in it. I had so much hope on the horizon. Oh, you know what? I'll just get pregnant again. Not that that would erase what I had been through. Um, because that's, that's also a misconception. I think a lot of people have is, um, Oh, people start acting weird around you after you have a loss like that too, in different ways. Yeah. Um, but, um, I think people and people want to feel good and people want to be happy and they want to be hopeful and they want that for you too. And they want to see you happy so badly. And so you can't really fault anybody for that. But, um, uh, people really, um, I'm trying to think of how to word this. It's like they want you to have another baby so they can see that happiness. Yeah. And like think you'll kind of forget about that grief. Yeah, but it doesn't erase like it it doesn't it doesn't take away your feelings of loss and your piece of your heart. Um like this is the way I always thought about it is that with every baby that you have, your heart grows for like a special place just for that baby. And when you don't have that baby anymore, your heart that grew for him, him or her is, it feels empty. It feels like something it's longing and it's missing and it's um, it's hurt. It'll always hurt um, and feel and feel empty. So having another baby does not fill that void. It does not replace that baby that you lost. Um, so uh, people always, I feel like, some people think that it does and they, they just really want you to get pregnant again and have another baby and, and everything will be okay then. And that's, yeah, that's just not, it's not true. It's not true for me. It's not true for anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. No matter how you grieve, that is a fact that. Yeah. no new baby will take the place of your other baby. So, um, I also feel like it can go on the opposite end too. I know that sometimes, like I know I have experienced after my miscarriage, you know, saying, well, you know, now I I do want a baby. Now I do want to try again. And people are like, oh, I don't know. Like, 
Like oh, are you sure you, you want know, to subject yourself to that again? Yeah. yeah. Like put yourself did in you that. Ever... Yeah. No, yeah. I, did you I, I didn't. That? No. Um, no, I don't think. I I don't think so. I don't think I even after it. your second miscarriage. Um, no, and I wasn't. I had not shared um, with anyone outside of my like my family really about yeah. about my miscarriages. Um, part of me wishes that I had because it gets kind of lonely and you wish you had have told someone about it. You're not going to go to someone and be like, Oh, by the way, three months ago I had a miscarriage <laughs> and like, you know, it's just kind of, I mean, you can for sure, but it, it, yeah. it's kind of not usually <laughs> the, the route you go. But um, yeah, so I had just, I had just um, told you guys, I think that, you know, it depends on the, your personality too. Like if you want to talk about something like mm-hmm. people say like, Oh, you know, it's best to um, there's like this unwritten rule that you're not supposed to announce your pregnancy until you're past your first trimester. Well, yeah. you know what, if you are the kind of person that are, that's going to want to talk about it, then talk about it whenever you want. You announce whenever you want. If like, it's just it's all individual there's no rules you don't have to follow any rules you do what you want right and that's something that I I learned later on but um I know for me like I was just so excited after the initial (laughs) shock of this last pregnancy yeah um and after I kind of got over like well this wasn't according to our plan but you know I'm so excited and like once we told the kids and we saw their positive reactions it just made me even more excited so I'm like you know what Uh, I'm just gonna do this like why not yeah and I I honestly didn't think that I would ever miscarry mostly because I was having all the symptoms um Mm -hmm. and so when you know I went for that ultrasound and it was like empty I was like oh crap now I have to like tell everyone and I had just sent out all my Christmas cards. I know. That was like in baby number three. Yeah. And you know what's actually so funny? I don't know if I brought this up on the last one, but the day that I miscarried, I got the box of pregnancy clothes from you. I know. And I remember... (laughs) I remember being so scared that you were going to, I think I warned you. I think I said like, don't check yes, your you mail did. <laughs> or like get Steven to like check or whatever and just like put the box away. Somewhere. Oh, you, know, yeah. I had you know what though? Big box of all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was so nice. One, because I needed all those pads mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. this carriage. And two, you said the, like, the sweetest thing to me that I will never forget when I wore, when I put on one of the um, maternity shirts, I was like, oh, Jenny, I'm wearing your shirt. And he said, just think of it like, a, as if it's a big hug from me. 
<laughs> oh, Jenny. So now I still wear those clothes because, like, they're so comfortable. Why don't we always wear maternity clothes? I mean, why don't they just make clothes like that? (laughs) I think we, I know. Well, I I mean, if you talk to any, any mom, I bet you we all have some maternity clothes still in our, you know, our weekly laundry. Yeah, because they are so comfortable. And some of them, you, you wouldn't know, like, you wouldn't know that they're maternity like some of the shirts and pants yeah the and shirts stuff. you can get away with God, the okay. pants that have the big belly thing is wrong what I was just gonna say the pants I'm wearing right now are maternity pants <laughs> <laughs> they're like my my maternity pajamas but they are they don't have they didn't have like the big belly panel or anything they were yeah. like under the belly but they're so so comfortable they're the best sleeping pants ever and I just I thought I almost packed them away for you but then I was like honestly no. I I, th- <laughs> I love these pants so much like I just I'm gonna wear them until they have holes in them and they're like tattered because I just they're so comfy but um <laughs> I for I almost forgot their maternity because I just wear them so often. But yeah, um, why where are they from? Uh, Old Navy. Are they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. They've got great stuff. Um, I don't know what we were talking about. Um. Oh, the miscarriage and the box. Yeah. And oh, and I was gonna say, you know, <sighs> yeah, like. So yes, you had you had just like written baby number three um, in all of the oh, Christmas yeah. cards, and you know done your announcement and everything like that. And you know there's there's a couple of ways you can look at that. Like you can feel sad about that and be like, oh crap, now I have to go back and tell. Now I have to make an announcement <laughs> to now let yeah. everyone know that I've had a miscarriage. Um. So that's, that's the kind of thing that people say, like, you should wait uh, until second trimester before you announce, because you don't want to run into something like that. But you know what, why not? And I think that what you did with that situation is you really put a positive spin on it. And you said, you know what, I'm going to make this about, um, you know, breaking the stigma of miscarriage and you know speaking out and and, Mm -hmm. um explaining and educating people on what I've gone through and not only that but you were able to bond with so many women and hear so many amazing stories and learn so much and help people yeah so yeah, it was a really incredible experience. And honestly, it was one of the final straws to me starting this podcast because I had always wanted to chat with people and hear their stories. And yes, you you know, the, the saying is, oh, wait until the second trimester. But I mean, as we've heard from your story with Taya, it doesn't matter. It could happen anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And so why, why do we as women have to keep these things to ourselves and grieve silently 
because it might make someone uncomfortable or like, living our, our health Venus. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so it's, true. It's just so it's frustrating. And as I shared my miscarriage journey, I mean, I could have shared way more, <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I knew that it already made people uncomfortable and that I didn't want that. I wanted people to watch and listen. Um, yeah. But just hearing like the stories that some women had gone through, I mean, you shared with me in your first miscarriage that you had to wait in like the emergency room for how long, like 12 hours or something? Yeah, like, well, eight hours. Eight hours. Which is like alone. a full shift. Like it's, that's a day, you know. Um, and only it, for them to tell you, yeah, you're miscarrying, go home. And at that point, I had already mostly passed everything. And it was like, I, if you had have told me this sooner, you know, I could have been at home in my PJs, in my own shower, my bath, my couch, my bed, wherever I wanted to be eating my own food, not sitting here waiting for someone to give me a Tylenol, which they never did. No meds or anything. And I was in agony. So yeah like yeah there's just yeah we need to share more about that kind of thing there's just so much that can happen too I mean one of the women who reached out to me hemorrhaged and nearly died um wow you know sometimes people aren't able to pass everything on their own and they have to go for a procedure that leaves them with um scar tissue which can lead to you know, further complications Mm -hmm. in pregnancy. And it's just, it's so confusing to me that we're so bashful (laughs) still about women's health, Mm -hmm. you know, and that goes for like periods and stuff too. And I could do a whole podcast on periods, but like, I I just hate how we're so shamed into not talking about these things so which are total normal yeah like healthy human (laughs) yes things that everyone should be educated about but yeah men and women yes yeah a hundred percent I mean you need men men should know how babies are made too right and what <laughs> what we have yes. to go through to get these babies to come out and not they don't have to they don't get to just like be along for the pretty part of the ride like no um was Graham ever nervous during any of your pregnancies oh yeah really? yeah well Graham was the one who kind of pushed not pushed me but I don't know what the word is for that, but like right at the end of Everly's um, uh, pregnancy, basically just like he was feeling a little nervous. I was feeling a little nervous and, you know, we had given her a week. So we were like, okay, let's get things moving along. And, uh, but, and he also, (laughs) he wouldn't, he would not tell me like during my labors, but he is, like dying inside (laughs) like it stresses him out to the max and he is so scared and nervous but he is like a rock like you would not be able to tell 
what was yeah. going on. He's all about like, this is about me and the focus is on me. And he would not take away from that um, at all. And Everly came out, she was perfectly healthy. And what was it yes. like finally getting to hold that baby? Oh my gosh. It was, I, I have a very vivid memory of, of the moment that she came out and holding her and like, I can revisit it over and over again. And it's just as vivid um as it was when it was happening over seven years ago but um so when um when she was born I actually um had just (laughs) I wanted to have a water birth and that's another reason why I went to the midwifery clinic because they had put in this beautiful big oval shaped tub um, in their birthing room and I really wanted to use it. So (laughs) I kept saying to them, can I get in the bath yet? Can I get in the bath yet? And they were like, well, let's just, let's just wait until you're further along. Um, And (laughs) I was like, I'm pretty far along, but okay. Cause they midwives, like a common like thought is that the water when you're when you're right at the point where you're like I can't take it anymore getting into the tub is kind of like um a lifeline like it's it's kind of like Mm. to instead of having that epidural or whatever it's like water it's soothing it's you know it's another um coping mechanism that they kind of hold on to till the end to give that to you but I was like <laughs> the way I have babies is I'm calm I'm calm I'm calm the baby's coming out of me <laughs> and so my, my midwife um you know usually transition the transitionary period is a little bit longer but for me it's like short and then the baby comes out basically so um I literally they were filling up the tub and they're as soon as the tub was full they're like okay you can get in I jumped in pushed she came out (gasps) wow yeah so I was in there um I mean it wasn't like she came out in one push no you know I was in there for a couple minutes because push you get the head out and then you wait and you push again and the shoulders come out um unless you're Jody of course and then yes comes all out in one push one half push. <laughs> um Jody was like oof and the baby was out <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> she's just she was like mm, this is uncomfortable oh here's the baby <laughs> yeah she just falls out on bed um but that yeah for me that doesn't happen it's one push the head comes out two push the shoulders come out um, but, and the baby born, but yeah, so that's what it was for, for Everly. But so they, they handed her, you know, out, she came up onto my chest and I just remember 
saying, my baby, my baby, my baby, and just crying and the, the feeling of um, peace and joy and, and healing is what I remember. And my doula, who wasn't with me for this birth, um, because we were in Timmins and she was still in Barry, and that's just so far away. Um, but, you know, I was still talking to her through my pregnancy with Everly. And one of the things that she had said to me was, this birth will be a healing birth for you if you let it. And I never had really considered that, but I, I often would think about that and what she meant by that and how that would come to be um, throughout my pregnancy with Everly. And it is so true that, you know, after I had Taya and then I had that first miscarriage and then I had that second miscarriage and I talked about that with you and how I was with that last miscarriage, I was at my lowest and I, I was, I had just lost all hope and all faith in my body and all faith uh, kind of like when you first go into having a baby, you're, you're so optimistic and naive. And, and I mean that in a good way, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's really, it's really wonderful to be naive. Um, and, and when you have a loss or when you have anything that comes up in your pregnancies, um, you kind of lose a little bit of like faith in yourself or I did. Um, right. And, and with that last miscarriage, it was like, oh, like, how can I, like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? Why can't I do this anymore? What's, what's, what's happening? What's going to happen? Like all these things, these unanswered questions, and they just, you just feel so hopeless. But going through um, my pregnancy with Everly, and it was such a journey on its own, you know, from that first trimester where I was so incredibly nervous and um, just scared, terrified every day that something was going to happen. And then feeling the relief of getting to the second trimester and then going through the third trimester and starting to feel that nervousness again as I got to the end. Um, Yeah. And then having this beautiful birth, natural birth, and having her healthy and crying and pink and look so much like her sister, by the way, Um, you know, and just be there with me. It's just so healing. Love the term rainbow baby. And so does she actually. I explained to her that 
babies after a loss are called a rainbow baby because the rainbow comes after um, the rain. storm storm and I just think that is so beautiful and so she she would say you know so does that mean that Taya was your storm and I said to her you know in a way she was but not in a bad way like I learned so much with her and there's so much beauty in a storm still Mm -hmm. right I love, I love a good rainstorm. They are so beautiful. Me too. Nature. If we didn't have rain, we wouldn't have, you know, all these things. We wouldn't have the crops that grow the vegetables. We wouldn't have grass. We wouldn't have flowers. We wouldn't have rivers and lakes and streams. And yeah. Yeah. And we, we grow from, and we become stronger from that. And um, yeah, so I to answer that question (laughs) it's just a very very long way of answering that question but um yeah no that was so beautiful you kept saying the word I don't know if you kept saying it but you said the word joy a couple of times and I think that's so beautiful can you share the story about your middle name and how you passed it to Everly yeah so um So my mom lost a baby um, at, I think, 23 weeks. Mm -hmm, I think so. mm -hmm, Pretty sure. And her name's Heather. And she, obviously, that was very devastating for her. Um, And then I came after Heather and... I was, my mom told me that she was just so overjoyed, filled with joy that I was there, healthy and well. And so she gave me the middle name Joy. So I'm Jenny Joy. And um, after I had Taya, my mom actually said to me, and I don't know if she would remember this, probably not because she doesn't remember anything. But <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she said to me, you know what? And kind of as a way to like console me, I'm sure. But she said, you know, maybe you'll have a baby girl after this and you can give her the middle name Joy because she'll be your rainbow baby. And just like you were mine. And I was, that was so sweet. That was a sweet moment with my mom. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as, luck would have it I did have a little baby girl after her and um named her Everly Joy so we share a middle name and she loves her namesake she just she (laughs) is so proud that she's named after me um in honor of our, you know, her sister and my sister that are waiting for us beyond the veil. Um, yeah, so I think that that is so precious. And honestly, Jenny, I'm going to ask you this on the podcast so I can have it. 
in writing yeah. or anything. If I have a little girl after this, could I have permission to use the middle name Joy? Absolutely. Are you sure? Yeah. I think that that would be really, really sweet. I think that I think all Rainbow Baby girls should be named with that <laughs> with Joy as a middle yeah. name. Like how just how precious is that? I would love for I'd I love just, for her to have that middle name too. I just love the idea of carrying on names. I mean, like we named Sienna, Sienna Heather, Nicole, which is my middle name, but Heather after um your sister. <gasps> oh my gosh. I knew, I must have you didn't known realize that. this? I must have. But I think Yeah, you knew that. I must have known <laughs> that. That's so sweet. My last question for you is what are your hopes and dreams for tomorrow oh you know what I should have thought about this before because <laughs> you said that to in in the podcast I was listening to oh that's right yeah Steven and I was like oh I need to know what to say if she asked me this <laughs> <laughs> what are my hopes and dreams like for for tomorrow tomorrow like yeah tomorrow tomorrow or like the yep. future no tuesday oh, i hope that i can be patient and loving and fun with my kids <laughs> jenny you are just so sweet <laughs> Honestly, um, you know what? These days are challenging, especially being stuck inside. Like this this time of year is hard without COVID. This is when yeah. like February is the month of is like the cabin fever month, right? <laughs> it's so cold. Yep. We're over having winter and ugh, you know, we need some sunshine, we need some vitamin D, and it, I'm just, you know, feeling it. And then not having any stores to go shopping in right now <laughs> on top of this. Not having winners and home sense open is the really worst. Torture. It is the worst. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should have said something more po- poetic, but. No, no, what you said was poetic, and I think it sums up this two-part podcast series of you because if nothing else, I think that you've proved that you are just so strong and beautiful and full of grace and, like I said today, elegant. (laughs) So I always think of you now. And thank you. I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and being so willing to share and share so deeply too well I loved loved this I hope that I can come on again one day if you can think of another story that I have to share because this is so fun just talking to you and yeah you're pretty freaking fantastic so thank you for letting me come on here (laughs) 
Well, with those compliments and those voice notes <laughs> you sent me today, of course you're going to be able to come back on. I want you to come back on and talk about Petite Mod and also um, all your home renos because you are insane. And <laughs> whenever people, whenever my friends lurk your Instagram, they're always like, oh my gosh, is that your sister-in-law who did all those things around her house? I'm like, yes. Who did all the things. <laughs> did all the things yeah they're like her house looks like it belongs in a magazine oh my gosh I want those people to be my friends that's so (laughs) sweet um yeah yes my home my house stuff is definitely um something else that's really fun to talk about for sure you know I can talk about that a lot so well we'll plan it next time you're available Okay. Well, I love you. I love you too.